My name is Annie Lobert, and I'm a champion survivor of trafficking to tell you that God can heal you from any hurt that's ever happened to you. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you too. Hi, friends, and welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we invite presence, inspire purpose, and ignite passion in people's heart with God's love throughout the world. Friends, you're not going to believe who I have on the other line. I cannot wait to tell you about my new friend. I'm telling you, this guy is a rock star in the criminal industry. Matt Cox criminal case received national media attention after he used forgeries combined with stolen and synthetic identities to build America's biggest banks out of an estimated 55 million. Despite numerous encounters with bank security, state and federal authorities, Cox narrowly and quickly, luckily avoided capture for nearly a decade. Eventually, he topped the Secret Service's most wanted list. Woo! Woo, man, that's a high one right there. I got to tell you. And the Secret Service on a three-year chase, U.S. Marshals chased him while jet-setting around the world, and of course, he continued to commit his fraud. Cox has been declared as one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, <laughs> while Dateline NBC described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. The Scotman's guy revealed that a minimum of $40 million in fraudulent mortgages flowed through Cox's brokerage business during his tenure. Matt, my goodness, bro, let me just tell you that I am completely blown away by your story, bro. I don't even understand how you did it, but... I would have probably liked to know you back then because I might have teamed up with you back in my career days. OK, so <laughs> tell me the story of how you got involved in this business to do forgery. What made you tempted to do that? It, I mean, it was it was bank really bank fraud. I mean, there was obviously forgery involved, but yeah, it was it was bank fraud. I, I essentially I worked. I started off as a mortgage broker. Then I started my own company. Um, I ended up, you know, I was committing fraud periodically. And at some point, somebody I knew got in trouble and they cooperated, against, cooperated with the FBI uh, against me. I was placed on probation. And instead of, you know, doing the right thing and, you know, going and getting a job selling used cars and moving into my parents' spare room, I decided mm -hmm. to commit a much larger scam. And I started making synthetic identities. I started, I figured out how to get social security to issue social security numbers to children that don't exist. I then created fake credit profiles for those, those synthetic identities, then started buying houses in those names. And I would record the value of the homes, the sales of the homes at roughly five or six times the actual value that raised the entire area of an area in Tampa called Ebor City. It raised that area from a median price of around 100000 to around 350000 And that allowed me to borrow money for, against those properties. So I mm. ended up borrowing a million point two, million point five, a million dollars on each one of these synthetic identities which roughly was about $11.5 million in about 18 months on around, around 10 people, 10 synthetic identities. 
then the FBI came to arrest me. Um, somebody else I knew got in trouble and uh, told the authorities what I was doing. They put together a task force. The authorities came to arrest me and I went on the run, you know, but it was a very quick, quick thing that happened. I was tipped off by a sheriff's deputy that I was a friend of and, and he told me, hey, they're, the FBI is going to come arrest you within the, the next day or two. Wow. So I I, I pulled about $80,000 out of the bank, which was all I could get out at the time. Mm. And I took off on the run, went to Atlanta and I borrowed about $400,000 um, in the, in a synthetic identity's name. Then I went to, I went to South Carolina, borrowed like 1.3 million. I actually got caught in a bank in South Carolina. I was arrested brought down, and I convinced the authorities that I hadn't done anything wrong. That in fact, the loan officers at the bank had, had possibly done something wrong. And I convinced them to let me go while they did the investigation. They let me go. They didn't realize who I was at the time. Obviously, I was using a a fake identity. By that point, I had I'd figured out how to get um, the local like state DMVs to issue me driver's licenses. Mm -hmm. And I've had roughly 26 or 27 driver's licenses in about seven different states. I've had two dozen passports and, you know, issued by like issued by the State Department. So, I mean, I've traveled on on fake passports. They're not fake passports. They're real passports. They're just not my name. Totally. So, you know, I went to South Carolina. I went to no, I went to Nashville, Tennessee after leaving the bank, borrowed three point five million dollars. And the girl that I was dating ended up confiding in a friend of hers who I was. And I was arrested. You know, I was at that point I was arrested. I was number one on the Secret Service's most wanted list. Um, I was there was a show called Dateline that was about to come out on me. And I so, you know, we were basically planning on leaving the country. And, you know, the the my girlfriend's friend contacted the Secret Service and turned me in, you know, and, and so they arrested me and I went to prison. I got 26 wow. years in federal wow. prison. And I went to prison. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the, the quick version of the story, obviously. Um, and we were talking about, I think prior to this, we had had a conversation where you were saying, you know, do you have a, um, like a spiritual story or a story that, you know, really kind of, um, I don't know, just something that happened that was so random that, you know, it just, it just shocked me. You know, it, like I've, I've always looked back and thought about this one thing that happened. And so, you know, I went to prison and I had been asked to be interviewed by, by American greed, by the government, like the government, you know, they gave you, gave me 26 years and they said, you know, like, it's like, what can I do to, to reduce my sentence? And they said, well, you could be interviewed by Dateline. So I was interviewed by Dateline. Wow. That's actually a thing. You can get your sentence reduced by getting an interview and being honest about what you did. Typically, no. And and they didn't reduce it for that. <laughs> so what happens Those is they have, you, <laughs> they have you over a barrel. So they they have had me doing, you know, whatever they wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem is typically you can get your sentence reduced by cooperating against other people. 
Now, the problem with my case is I was on the run for three years. So by the time I got arrested, everybody had already cooperated against me and gone to prison or they, wow. the, the government had decided not to charge them. You know, by the time I was arrested, it was in the middle of the financial crisis. And so mm-hmm. a lot of these people, statute of limitations was up and they just didn't prosecute them. So I, what do I do? So I'm sitting there saying, OK, well, I got 26 years. And they said, well, you know, we will consider reducing your sentence if you're interviewed by Dateline. And I said, oh, well, what do I do? I said to my attorney, what do I do? And she's like, well, you got to be interviewed. You said wow. your only chance. So I was interviewed. Mm. And then the government came back and said, yes, yeah, really not enough. <laughs> so then a couple of years later, I'm still in prison. This this program called American Greed contacted the government and said, we'd like to interview him. And they, of course, you know, my attorney said, they want you to be interviewed by American Greed. I said, well, what do I do? And she said, be interviewed. So I was interviewed. And they said, after the interview, they said, we said, hey, are you going to reduce my sentence? And they said, yeah, it's just not enough. So what pushed it over the edge, what really got my sentence reduced in part, right? So part of what got my sentence reduced by seven years was and I'd been locked up seven, six, seven years by this point. Yeah. Is that you have to kind of go back. So when I was a mortgage broker, here's what happened. I was a mortgage broker. Well, mm-hmm. I wasn't even a mortgage broker. That strike that. I was about to be a mortgage broker. I had gone to a class to become a mortgage broker. To be a mortgage broker in the state of Florida, you have to go to, it's like a 20, it's like a 25 hour class or something. You know, Mm -hmm. you go on a Friday night, or you go on a Saturday, Sunday, and then you get a little certificate and then you're allowed to take your mortgage broker's license in Florida. Wow. So I went to the class. The first night, it's just kind of like an whatever. It's like they go over the syllabus and tell you what you're gonna be doing. Okay. So Saturday, the next day, my girlfriend and I, we were taking that class. We went to a restaurant. You know, we, you go in, you know, and then lunch comes. They start talking about, you know, what you need to know to pass the test. So lunch comes and we go to this restaurant across the street. We're sitting there and I'm, I'm super cocky. I'm, a, I'm 20, probably 28 years old, arrogant, <laughs> um, really only concerned about myself, super selfish. And I see the teacher that's teaching the class, right? The instructor. And he's eating by himself. And I'm eating with my girlfriend. I look over and I went, there's the instructor. And she goes, yeah. And I said, he's eating by himself. And she goes, okay. And I (laughs) went, I feel bad for him. I said, let's go eat with him. She goes, nobody wants to eat with the instructor. She says, what what are you doing? And I went, she goes, I don't know. We don't know him. And I went, I know, but I feel bad. Like probably nobody probably ever eats with him. (laughs) And at that time in my life, I wasn't that person. You know what I'm saying? Like I could care right. less that you're by yourself. Tough break. Right. You, be, you were faking it. You had your own little agenda there, didn't you? I really didn't. I just, for some reason, I thought, eh, let's go over and sit down with him. Like, what's the big deal? Let's chat him up. Whatever. Like, I don't care. Yeah. This guy's got nothing to offer me. If right. I just sit through the class, I get my test. I've already gotten them. I mean, you just sit sure. in the class. You're getting, you're going to be able to take your test. But right. I went over and I sat with him and we talked we joked, you know, talked with them. Hey, how'd you get into this? You know, did the whole, the whole thing. So 
then, you know, we go back to the class. No big deal, you know. But I remember him saying when we sat down, you know, walked over and said, hey, do you mind if we eat with you? Like, are you waiting? He's like, no, no, you can eat with me. He said, man, I've been doing this like 15 years. He's nobody's ever come and eaten with me. Wow. And I was like, really? And I kind of just laughed. I said, really? And he's like, yeah. That's crazy. So, Mm. like I said, out of character for me. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, but I, but whatever. I don't ever think about it again. I'd say, let's say, what is it? 10, 12 years later, Mm -hmm. I'm now in federal prison. The government is not going to reduce my sentence. They've had me do Dateline. They had me be interviewed by Dateline. They had me be interviewed by American Greed. I'm sitting in prison. And something called the Dodd-Frank Act had been passed in Congress because of of the financial crisis. Right. And and one of the things the Dodd-Frank Act said was – Every loan officer or mortgage broker in the country from now on has to take nine hours of continuing education every year. Three hours of that course has to be on ethics and fraud. Wow. So this guy owns a national mortgage company that teaches this class. Oh, he's making bank. (laughs) So he, he wrote a letter to me in prison And he said, I don't know if you remember me or not, but you took my class. And he said, and you you and your girlfriend had lunch with me. He said, I've always remembered you since then. And I remember that about six or seven years later, Mm -hmm. after that day, I saw you were on TV and I saw that you were on the run. And I started Mm -hmm. reading the articles about you. And then Mm -hmm. when you were caught, eventually, I saw that you went to prison and he said, I was wondering, I know you have a lot of time and I was wondering if you would be interested in writing an ethics and fraud course for the continuing education portion of the national of the for the the national um, uh, required course by the government. And I went, I mean, yeah, I got nothing else to do. Yeah, why not? And he said, I, I said, would you do me a favor? And he said, what? I said, could you contact my attorney and tell her this? So he contacts my attorney. My attorney says, would you mind talking to the U.S. attorney and requesting it from her? So he flies up to Atlanta, has a a meeting with the U.S. attorney in my case. And Mm -hmm. she says, if Mr. Cox would do this, we will definitely reduce his sentence. So I spend the next Two or three months, he comes to see me two or three times. We write a 9,000-word course, and that course was then used for continuing education purposes. So Mm -hmm. three hours out of the nine-hour course is written by me about my crime and about the various types of fraud that I conducted. Well, that was then used to reduce – the government then reduced my sentence by seven years because I wrote that course. Wow. So, you know, had it not been for a complete random act of kindness on my part, which was absolutely out of character for me. Right, right. <laughs> I would still be in prison right now. You you know what, Matt? This is so incredible because I feel like God was watching over you and the Holy Spirit nudged you to go talk to him, even though you didn't know why. You just wanted to do it. So it's like. 
get out of jail free card, right? You got right. the get out of jail free card. And it, it, how much did it reduce your sentence by? Seven years. That's amazing. So seven in the, in the prophetic means completion, right? Now, okay. that's so cool because we talked earlier. I don't know if we want to blow the cap off this, but we talked earlier about, hey, do you have any faith in your life? Oh, well, me and my girl, we go to church. Oh, that's cool. Where do you go? Non-denominational. Tell me what brought you to that place. I mean, obviously now your life is restored. You have your YouTube channel. You've got, have you written a book? I wrote a memoir. Yeah. Okay. You got a memoir. That's awesome. And now you're helping people, right? Obviously. And I mean, in the good way, like you're helping people not commit fraud and teaching people to spot fraud. Correct. Yeah. I do keynote speaking for law enforcement yeah. and for cyber right. crime and uh, so, mortgage conventions. Th this is such a flip on the enemy. I love it. It's like we just played war with the cards and you flipped the Joker out and said, ha ha, gotcha. Right. Like you are totally helping people in life now. You are a major player in that. I mean, it's kind of like my story in a way where I'm I'm working with law enforcement. Now, what I used to break the law, I'm working with them to spot traffickers, to spot underage, to, to spot girls that are working, how to catch, how to find all that. So. How did you guys, you know, obviously you're with someone that you love now, which is so awesome. How long have you been with her for? Um, let's see. I went to the halfway house in January of 2019 and I met my wife in the halfway house. She had just gotten out of prison and she was she did five years in she actually did five years in federal prison and we were at the same prison. She was at the women's camp. I was at the men's prison. Wow. So we ended up this in, is incredible in the halfway house together. And wow. we started dating shortly after that. And now we're mm -hmm. married. You guys are married. That's such a beautiful story. Um, and are you getting emotional? Me? No. Tiny bit. I'm lucky Tiny I'm bit. not getting emotional. Oh, I, okay. So I'm tell usually me. Very emotional. Tell me about how you guys started going to church. I mean, she always goes to church like she was always yeah. going to church. She's a very, you know, religious person, yeah. um, not preachy, but very probably totally religious. I and, understand. Um, and I, you know, I like I said, hey, I'll you know, do you want me to go with you? And she was like, I'm not going to make you go with me. And I was like, no, I'll <laughs> go. I'll go. And, you know, I always say, like, it's not like I'm going because I'm super I feel like I'm super religious, but I go because. I've never heard like I've never the preachers never said anything I didn't agree with. It's like, right. you know, be a good person. Yeah. Be, you know, be a good person, work hard, treat people well, do the best you can. Yeah. And, you know, and 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 things will work out for you. you yeah. Know, not Love that you people. should be doing those things specifically for that reason. But yeah. just being a good person in and of itself is good for you. And if you know, I think if you're mentally aligned then I think that that things tend to work out for you. And I don't think, you know, I, listen, I don't think in a very real way. I don't know if you know who Jordan Peterson is. It sounds familiar. Oh, my God. You have to listen to Jordan Peterson. Um, 
like he doesn't the, the whenever I go to church, like the preacher doesn't say anything that Jordan Peterson doesn't say. It's like, you know, make your bed, get your life in order, be right, you know, be kind to other people. Sure. Work hard, you know, do mm-hmm. the right thing. And and, you know, although they in church, of course, they say, you know, and, and of course, you know, God will show you the way and God will make it, it will it'll it'll work out, you know, and of course, really, I think Jordan Peterson kind of has the same basic message, but it's really just mm-hmm. about getting yourself spiritually in line, doing the right thing, being mm-hmm. a decent person and, you know, and things will, will work out for you. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so I, so, you know, so yeah. So do I go, I think my wife and I probably get two different, we get the, I think in the, in the end we get the same message. Yeah. Yeah. You guys both have different perspectives. I right. love it. Like, I have yet to and, walk into church and walk out and say, I totally disagree with what he said. Like, yeah. How can you, you know, I don't know how you could disagree with those yeah. basic things. I, I, I wanted to say something to you. I don't know you that well, but we just met. I mean, it's just so cool that technology can let us meet people. We've both been to jail. I just didn't spend a long time in jail like you. But I wanted to tell you that there is a glow about you. Like your face in your eyes. There's like, I can tell. light. <laughs> ah, okay. But not just that, but, but listen, Matt, there's, there's a joy in you that I can see. And only, you know, where that's coming from. And can you tell me a little bit about that? If you feel joyful and happy right now, tell me why. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always pretty upbeat. It's irritating yeah. to be around me probably most of the time. Like I'm always, I'm, you know, listen, I mean, I wake up in the morning and I make my bed and I work at, go and work out and I try to be polite and as helpful as I can to everybody, you know, as long as it doesn't, as long as I, as you know, this is going to sound horrible. As long as it doesn't affect me in a negative way, I mm-hmm. try and be helpful to everybody I can. And I just think that that helps me get through, through my day. And, and I feel like as a result of that, good things happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's, that's crazy, but I feel like if I'm trying to be helpful and polite and kind to everybody, then good things will happen to me. It doesn't always work out right away. Maybe it takes yeah. months. Maybe it never happens at all, but karma's real. Karma's real. Yeah. And, and right. I was going to say, and that's would you like the guy that's the same thing with the yeah. guy going and sitting down and being nice to him for no reason. There was no benefit to me at that moment. Well, 15 years later, there was an amazing benefit. So good. This is this is this will preach up and down the paint off the walls, because I just want to say that I I can sense the peace inside of you and just the completion inside of your life. Uh, And of course, with your beautiful wife, I'm so proud of you guys both. Uh, I, I just think that you have so much worth and value in your story and just you as a man. And I could say man of God, because I see God in you. I really do. Matt, I, I'm, I'm very amazed to meet you, Mr. Cox. And I just think that um, God's going to use you in even more ways than you can even understand. And if someone wanted to get a hold of you, um, how could they get a hold of you and get your, get your memoir and listen to some of the things that you say, your podcasts and all that? Um, I'm, I mean, I'm on Amazon. Amazon has my book. My book's called Shark in the Housing Pool. Oh, and so it's it. on Amazon. And 
you know, uh, um, my email address and my YouTube channel, it's called Inside True Crime. It's Matt Cox. Like, trust me, if you type in Matt Cox into Google, like there's a ton of stuff. That we comes will up. find you. Not right. Hard. We will see you. And it, would you would you say, Matt, that your success has anything to do with God and his sovereignty? I mean, I'm sure that it takes it takes a, a, a take. There's definitely a part of that. Yes. Yeah. I see it all over you, bro. It's so nice to meet you. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on my show. And if you ever get to Las Vegas, I would love to have you in the studio. Anyway, thank you so much uh, for sharing the redemption with us today about what God's done with your life. And tell your wife we said hi and thank you. And God bless you. And we'll see you soon. All right. Bye, thank Matt. You. My name is Anna Lobert, and right now we're standing at the Destiny House, and this is a place where ladies can come and heal from the ravages of sex trafficking and trauma, complex trauma that is very common with each survivor that gets out of trafficking. We just love this property because it's a place of peace. A lot of people say to me, Anna, you know, trafficking really doesn't affect me. I don't know why you're even doing this. Well, listen, it's in your own backyard. It's in Las Vegas, but it's also in Los Angeles. It's also in Dallas. It's also in Chicago. It's also in Minneapolis. It's also in New York. It's in Florida. It's in every state in our country. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a place where ladies can come and get the healing that they truly need. And we are survivor-led, and it's so important that you join us in this fight. This is something you can become a monthly partner with. We are survivor-led, and because of that, we don't have a lot of funds. We need your help. We need your partnership. People say, well, I want to be involved. I want to volunteer. I want to do this. I want to do that. Well, yes, we'd love for you to volunteer, but you know what we need more? We need partners like you to step up and stand with our ladies and say, I believe in your now. I believe in your healing and your future. And here's my $20 a month. Here's my $50 a month. Here's my $500 a month to go towards your healing, to go towards your trauma therapy, to go towards your cooking classes, to go towards your job readiness classes, to go towards your college. This is what I want to give as a gift to these wonderful human beings that are being restored from the horrible ravages of trafficking. I'm one of the ladies. I wish I had this program when I was getting out of trafficking. Unfortunately, I didn't. But we have it here at Destiny House and another house we have, Dream House. It's our house that the graduates go to when they get out of this property and they transition into their job, into their schooling, into getting their own car and their own place, independent living. We really need your support. We can use your support. Please join us in this fight. It doesn't take that much. You can give up for coffee for the day. You can give up that country ride you're gonna take with your friends or, or that weekend vacation. Give us a support because we are in need of monthly donors just like you. And by you giving a dollar or more or a thousand dollars from a dollar to 10,000, whatever that looks like, you are going to be changing someone's lives. And our lives that we work with are precious. Please join us today and go to pinkchair.org, click on donate. Join us in the fight against sex trafficking. I want to share a resource with you that I am personally very happy about because it's a book that I wrote called Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. It's in English and in Spanish. And this is my crazy harrowing journey out of sex trafficking. Getting out of sex trafficking was one of the hardest things I had ever done in my life. 
But my story explains, it reads just like a movie, how I got out. But first of all, how I got pulled in, why I got pulled in. You think about it, a white girl, how did she get into trafficking? Yes, it happens. And how God lovingly, gently scooped me out of the arms of the devil. Just go to pinkchair.com, click on donate and help us end human sex trafficking. Thank you so much.